One of the things that I guess I've been dealing with over the last little while has been learning to shift from kind of the solopreneur to entrepreneur mindset and how to do that effectively, not only just like in terms of the work, but also just making that mental shift. Welcome to the Do the Impossible podcast. I'm Jason Drees. Don't start your week out of alignment. Go to mondaymindsetreset.com to join me for a free mindset alignment every Monday at 10 a.m. Central. On today's call, I've got Mike DeHaan with me, 32 years old, 33 tomorrow, yep. happily married seven years to his high school sweetheart of 15 years. And no, we're not going to take relationship advice, although we should. <clears throat> he runs the uh, Collecting Keys podcast. It's a fellow GoBundance member with me. In case you haven't noticed, people in GoBundance are cool. That's why I hang out with them. Um, and he also does a primary thing that takes up a lot of his time is wholesaling services to help other real estate investors. Mike, how are you doing today? Doing great. It's good to, good to meet you. Excited to come on your show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what should we talk about today? What do you want to coaching on? Yeah. So one of the things that I guess I've been dealing with over the last little while has been learning to shift from kind of the solopreneur to entrepreneur mindset and how to do that effectively, not only just like in terms of the work, but also just making that mental shift. Um, so I guess for context, if you go back to 2020 up through um, this past December, like beginning of this year, it was always either me and my business partner or we had like one or two team members. Um, and so we were a really small ship. And then now over the course of this past year, we've grown to a team of 17 people. Um, and our business has grown very, very significantly. But I still always find myself having trouble fully trusting in like the team members and letting go of like all the little pieces of the business because that was what I did for three years. And that's how we found initial success. Thank you for sharing the situation. What do you want coach, coaching on? Yeah. So I guess how, how do I change that mindset? Right. And I learned to establish that trust in other people. Um, you know, it, it's funny. It's one of those things that I think part of it's like personal, part of it's fear-based part of it is, um, I don't know, I would say lack of education on like how to actually structure it. Honestly, the, one of the problems is, is I don't even necessarily know where to start approaching it. And what happens, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs deal with this is, you know, you learn like, oh, you got to set up your systems and your processes and these different things. But what happens is you get constantly just pulled back into the rat race. And a lot of it is, you know, you realize if you reflect on it, honestly, over the past month is like, you didn't actually really do anything. You kind of just like, we're spinning the wheels and not allowing other people to do the jobs that you hired them to do. Um, and so I guess like, what is, how do you make that mindset shift? What are some tips and tricks? Like, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. Um, it's, it's me as an amateur entrepreneur, I guess. Well, congratulations on the success you've had. Growing to 17 employees is an accomplishment. Yeah, thanks. And <clears throat> also, I want to acknowledge that you know where you're at. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know that mm -hmm. you're in this situation and you see that. So that's good. You're not telling me there's problems. You don't know why. You see that you're the bottleneck. That's becoming the problem. And this is a lesson that, you know, I've been a professional coach for over 10 years now, um, full time. So coach lots of people. And I'd say probably 80% of the people I coach are entrepreneurs or who want to be entrepreneurs. Okay. And the th one, one way I, I, 
I can simplify the phase you're going through is going from me to we, Mm -hmm. right? Me to we. And I will say that 90% don't make it. Mm -hmm. The reason 90% don't make it is because it requires a radical, it's literally an opposite shift in thinking. And because the first phase of being an entrepreneur, you know, and I, I kind of define entrepreneurship and for my, for my business and coaching in four, in four points of view, four phases. Like the first phase is like making your first dollar. Okay. The second phase is like replacing your W it's a full-time income basically. Then the third phase is replacing yourself. And then the fourth mm-hmm. phase is you duplicate it in other businesses. Right. So you're, sounds like you're in probably working on three, replacing yourself. Cause you, you're, I'm assuming yeah, you're making definitely. your full-time income from this or, or the majority of it. And, yeah. and there's a, there's a, yeah. there's a big, there's Anthem. a shift here. Yeah. There's a shift here, mm-hmm. right? Because to get to here, you know, what this is like level one is really about just taking tons of action to see what works. Mm-hmm. Level two is complete and total ownership. That's that, that's how you got there. Mm-hmm. But level three is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So, Let's also notice that you, when you asked me, you said, are there tips? Are there tricks? Are there like, what are the tools? Because you're going through the emotional process as you're expanding your mental comfort zone and your business comfort zone, and your financial comfort zone. You, you, you trusted you, you know, you, you're in control of you to all of a sudden you're not, this is your baby. It's now working. It's making good money. You're like, this is awesome. I don't want to fuck it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Basically. So the thing you need to understand is that the next step is not a process. It's a decision that you have not made. You've skated around it. (laughs) You're trying to get that decision to be more comfortable. But at the end of the day, it's a decision. And the the challenges um, we have with staffing is that when we hire a staff, especially as new entrepreneurs, we expect them to be perfect on day one. And we, we, a lot of times we end up blocking their ability to make mistakes and protecting them because mm-hmm. we don't want anything to go wrong when we don't account for how many years it took you to be able to do this. So I was having this conversation with um, a guy named Lucas Mitchell. Um, he's, a, he's, an inter- he's an entrepreneur. He's, an in- he's a highly successful entrepreneur and integrator where I'm a pure visionary. He's like a, he's like an amazing integrator. Like I've never met an integrator as amazing as him. Like his brain just works differently. And he, you know, he runs a couple different companies. He put together um, a franchise of five guys, hamburger restaurants. And he, that business that he runs has like, I think it's like 15 locations and 500 employees. And he runs that part-time. Wow. And he, and he gave me this example and he said, you know, I realized like to get to this level of leadership, I have to let go of everything, not Mm -hmm. some things, everything. And he gave me this example. He said, I had this number one store, the number one store. And there was a leader that was managing that number one store. And that, that person had a, wanted, wanted to, had a strategy they want to run. And then Lucas was like, you know, Hey, are you, um, are you sure it, what, what's the positive side and what's the downside? Okay. Are, and that's the risk of this decision. If it doesn't work. Okay. And are you, are you okay with taking responsibility for the risk if it doesn't work? And he said, yes. And he goes, okay, your decision. He then told me afterwards that it didn't work. 
And it cost that their highest producing store money for a while. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I knew it wasn't going to work. And he let him do it anyway. Because that's the only way he was going to develop that person as a leader. And when he said that, my head exploded because he intentionally let the business lose money in order to grow the leadership team, which just is, a, is such an, and that's the mindset of a leadership I'm trying to get to. Cause I was like you ownership, 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 and trying to get over here, like letting go of anything, of everything. And, and, and we also run into these situations where when we start to let other people getting involved, it's going to evolve. Mm -hmm. But when you let, but, but, but then when you let it evolve and when you let other people connect to that vision, then you have other people putting their energy into it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Right. And that's, that's an interesting concept. And we've, I guess we've done that a little bit. One of the challenges always comes when I guess, how do you keep people accountable to like wanting to actually learn those lessons, which is, you know, which is a whole other beast in itself. Um, cause like, so most of our team is sales guys, um, that work for us. And, you know, if we're trying to do a negotiation on a property, things like that, they'll sometimes get things wrong. You know, they will burn a bridge on a lead, those sort of things. And that, that comes to the territory. But then it's how do you make sure that that turns into an actual learning lesson that they can grow from and not something that basically I'm now sort of being held accountable for. Or I'm left trying to like pick up the pieces um, for like the next one, right? When they ultimately face the same situation. Um, and maybe that's where like the the leadership part kind of comes in about establishing that. Um, or maybe actually better staff employees. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know, the... Um have you created a culture where talking about those lessons openly is possible? Mm -hmm. I like to think so. I feel like we have really good team chemistry, even though we're all virtual, right? So it's a little bit different from when you are in like a workplace. But if you look at the general morale, when I do monthly check-ins and stuff, everybody it tends to be very high. We have very good attendance to our kickoff calls and different things. So it's not like we have a lot of people that are, you know, disengaged. Um, it's the desire to learn and grow amongst team members that maybe I need to do a better job of encouraging that or influencing that. And I'll be, I'll be like, honestly, do now that I'm looking at it, they probably don't have that because I'm always there to sort of try to jump in and save the day. So they don't necessarily need to, right? So you can reset that by sharing a conversation about one of your big screw ups. Mm -hmm. So showing that modeling that like is one of, is one of the best ways to start to open that and who else has learned something lately. You could talk about that. And the other thing you can do is that when you bring people on board, you can say, you know, I'm excited for you. You, you're, you're a great fit. I want to offer you the job. And the, at the same time, my expectation is you're probably going to screw up at some time. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I screwed up at some time too. It's a learning process, but re what really matters here isn't what that we that we, we screw up or not, because I can't ask you to not make mistakes because that's how, that's how businesses grow. We make mistakes and we learn from them. What we want to do here, what we do here is that when we make a mistake, we learn from it as best we can. Mm -hmm. So by setting that frame for everybody to operate in, you're basically setting the expectation. So you could probably, I would say, get into rapport with them by sharing a big mistake you did mm -hmm. and, and giving them more, you know, giving them more slack, more rope. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. What What are your thoughts on like how this differs, I guess, for like a small company where, you know, missed opportunity and missed deal can be like detrimental as opposed to, you know, like five guys. It's such a huge corporation. Even the franchises, if they have like a bad month, you know that it's going to shift around unless, you know, the entire burger industry goes down the tubes, which probably isn't going to happen. But with, you know, when you're a smaller business, you know, where probably one and a half to 2 million in revenue this year. Um, if we miss out on like deals, it's can be a lot more impactful to our, our bottom line. So how do you kind of like balance the risk reward in those sort of learning situations? Well, this is more of a mentoring question versus a coaching question, but I'll, I'll answer it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, if the loss of a deal is that detrimental to the company, mm -hmm. then you need to put systems in place so they can be caught. Mm. Now there's there's a fine line between there between micromanaging it and, and empowering others, um, and then also as quickly as you can in parallel build the model so you don't have you're not that sensitive. Yeah, your salespeople are probably not going to be detail oriented, mm -hmm. so double checking their work with an admin is pretty standard stuff mm -hmm. because salespeople care about dollars; they don't care about details. So if there's it's a detail oriented process then it needs to be outlined, they need to be trained. It could be managed, could be double-checked. If it's a process to winning the deals, then you need to define for that process. You need to reach out. Every time you get a new lead, you got to call them in 24 hours with a text and then an email and then follow up and then whatever those processes are. So it's... But I'm still not hearing um, the problems from the employees that are coming up. Like, is there any specific details you can get? <sighs> That's a good question. So a lot of it tends to be around, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, from my, my view, um, maybe a little bit of like apathy around like giving each detail the level of attention that it needs. Um, so I guess one, one of the challenges that we have because the style that we run our business where we operate in all these different markets, um, there's like an abundance of opportunity. And so what ultimately happens is people end up just waiting for like the low hanging fruit for their leads. When you have a very large lead pipeline, you know, even if they are being paid commission, which they all are, is their primary source of income. Um, they, you know, they just wait for like the easy stuff and like most people, they will work hard enough to make enough money to pay their bills and not much more than that. Um, that's something that I've come to find with, with employees and staff members in, in general. Um, so you end up with people that, you know, they have deals that are going to kind of be extra hard to work, harder to close. They'll just kind of like push them off, which becomes a problem. Um, another dilemma that we find is that if there are, um, we have like a sales assistance, like on the back end, if they are feeling like they just don't want to work that day, they will try to like delegate everything to other people whenever they can, or even to each other, which is always funny when you have them trying to pass off leads that they know are kind of tough. Um, and then ultimately what ends up happening because of the nature of our business working for other people, the clients come back to me as the owner and they're like, Hey, whatever happened with one, two, three main street, um, you know, and I have to go and look and like, Oh, our guys just didn't feel like it was necessary to give them the necessary time to learn. You said nature, the nature of our biz or working with other people. Yeah, because we, we run these wholesale businesses for other people in their markets, right? And so, you know, we'll have negotiation going on with one. Our partner, our client will know about it. And then they'll come to check in on the lead and I'll go back and it looks and the, and the sales team has pretty much given up on it. Um, mostly just because 
they chose not to follow the process or a lot of times I've come to find because they don't necessarily know the best way to move forward. And so instead of trying something like you mentioned with the, the five, uh, five guys franchise, they'll just go on to like the next thing. Right. Um, and so that's kind of like a reoccurring thing. And so then what ends up happening is I end up coming in and trying to like pick it up and, and see if I can get things moving along again. I'm hearing a lot of beliefs around employees and other people that are not actually facts, their opinions, such as people will work hard enough just to pay their bills. They'll mm-hmm. always go after the low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. the apathy of detail orientedness. Um, those are your points of view. Hmm. And though and and so so your your mindset, your brain has been cataloging everything that's gone into it for the past 32 years. And it basically catalogs that. So that creates your beliefs around the world. What's actually happening, um, I may be wrong, but it sounds like your point of view about employees is not aligned with a successful empowered team. Um, so we need to shift how you view staffing employees there as well. Mm -hmm. Now, what you're telling me may be an exact, accurate detail of who you currently have in place. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it's not going to change until you change your mindset about that because you're literally attracting everything within that container. Yeah, because uh, I'll talk to other business owners and they'll be like, "It's easy to find salespeople. They they'll hustle. They love making money. I, it's easy for me mm-hmm. to find salespeople. They work their butts off. They love money, right? Mm-hmm. So it's so it it sounds like there's an opportunity to shift how you're leading your team a little bit more, and also, so I think there's a leadership piece to this because. One of the challenges of creating a new business is brand new. And you may have not been a sales leader before. Mm -hmm. You may have not even been in sales before. So that's all, you know, I was in sales for 15 years before I became a coach. um, And I still am challenged with sales. And I'm not a sales leader, but I have to play one, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, and, and when I started my coaching business, I hired a bunch of my peers to work for me. So there was the challenge of all of that. So let's notice that it's an evolution along the way. One area we need to focus on is getting your mindset aligned with the vision of the team instead of reaction to the present team. Hmm. So we get it aligned with the vision of the future team. Then we can start holding that vision and communicating effectively from that frame, that vision. Then they will start shifting versus trying to solve the one that's, that's out of alignment. The other thing with salespeople, it's actually extremely easy to direct their behavior because they're commission-based. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at You've got your, your standard as a company is we work every lead until it's dead, mm-hmm. not the low-hanging fruit. Then it's like, these are the leads you get. Maybe you need twice as many salespeople. Because if you had twice as many salespeople, they'd have less good leads, right? So, you know, it also has to do with bandwidth too. You could also put some requirements on it, like you can't pass off a lead. So there's ways there too. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. And that's probably true. Cause I don't come from a sales background or sales leadership background. So before I did, I had this business, I was an engineer, like a corporate engineer at Boeing for five years. Um, and then when I came in and started doing this business, I had to kind of like teach myself sales. Um, and it's not my strong point. I'm not necessarily like a natural salesperson and, you know, managing them from like a sales position is hard. I feel like I'm good at building, um, getting people like kind of excited about stuff we're doing, but not necessarily excited to perform well. 
right? Um, but excited about like the the vision of it and like the direction that we're trying to go. Um, but uh, no, I mean that that is interesting. So I guess like when it comes to you know lo- like getting the mindset to manage salespeople like that, is that one of those things that I teach? myself like i have to like just learn to like present that sort of energy better or something where i go and like hire someone to do it that's more experienced the the ideal scenario is to stay in your lane Mm -hmm. right if you if you can find someone who is better at that than you like me i'm i run my company but i should have my own ceo and my me not running the company that's not my lane the business mm-hmm. operator. Um, so that's ideal, right? Get the right resources and the right roles. That's number one. If, if that's not immediately possible in the time frame right now, then it's like you can start to shift it. Like if you want to get an extreme example, there's a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine by Chet Holmes, where he literally talks about hiring hunters. And he says, when he hires a salesperson, when they walk into his office, they hand him their resume. He throws it back. The first thing he does is throws it back at him and says, you're not qualified. Mm-hmm. And, and he's like, well, why do, because their job is to deal with rejection. So I'm going to reject him in the office to see what happens. Mm-hmm. He said, one of my, one of the, one yeah. of the guys I said that to said, I'm an idiot and threw it back at me. And he, he's like, I ended up hiring that guy. So mm-hmm. as an engineer, I'm more like me, I'm a sales guy. Like you and I were speaking different languages. Yeah. It's like literally there's a translator in the middle. So they're trying to listen. They're trying to follow But the way you operate, they just can't most likely can't relate to Mm -hmm. because they're probably they're probably direct. They're probably talkative. Well, unless you hired people who with your personality like you, I don't know, like because we end up attracting people that we like. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm good at hiring salespeople and bad hiring detail oriented people because that's the opposite of me. Right. Yeah. And that's why using disk profiles is a really powerful tool. If you know Mm -hmm. disk profile. Yeah. You can run disk profiles on yourself in there so you can see where they're at. Most salespeople should be high I's and high D's. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, but you can be successful, but we need to, you need to get clarity on what are the biggest priorities right now? Is it structure? Is it, is it time management? Is it the tasks they're doing? Cause you can say you need to do this much a day. You need to touch this many leads. Each lead needs to have seven contacts before you pass it off. And you're not mm-hmm. getting the new leads until those ones are gone. Like there's ways to do that. So you know, you could probably get, you could probably get that from a consultant. You could also get that from coaching consultant, mm-hmm. you know, is probably, I'd say probably more coaching because consultants give you a system to implement. Like, here you go. Here's a, here's my system where coaches, a coach will kind of talk to you and be like, where are you at? What are the big problems? And kind of dive in a little bit more to see if it's leadership, communication, process, standards, you know, it may just be a little bit of focus it, and you may not be seeing the right picture right now. We don't know. So on this one call right now, it's hard to dive in too deep. Yeah. Um, but I would encourage you to like make the decision that I'm, I'm going to empower the team. Cause, cause what I'm hearing now is when the call started out, it talked about how do I leverage the team, um, mm-hmm. and, and let go. Um, but really these are just, we need to get the salespeople effectively doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So d- do they have clear, expectations and guidelines for their work standards, et cetera. And do they have the system set up in the training to do it? That's what I would look at right now, because there may be some, some, some things you operate by that aren't in the standards. Yeah. I don't even necessarily realize I, I don't have in there. Um, yeah. And I, I think something that stood out to you that you just said there is making the decision to 
do that. Right. Which is, you know, that, that alone just stuck with me because that's something I've come to find is that when you're trying to get into that CEO role, you spend a lot of time thinking and making decisions. And I still find that I have an inclination to do right. So instead of like how to make the decision that this needs to happen, I'm always like, how do I do this? And that's definitely not the correct way to be going. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, that, that does make sense. So, cause, and it's funny because like, if I look at like the back end office, like the system side of it, that team's great. Like we have those guys perform super well. They, you know, our, our systems are being built very, very efficiently. It's literally just like the sales side right now. That's very challenging. <laughs> exactly. Cause that's your weakness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, and like, it's, it's people that are like me. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a different it's a different game. Like mm-hmm. you you can you can learn it, but your time is better off getting someone who already knows it. If you can hire, yeah. even better. Yeah. Okay. No. That's cool. Um in terms of like hiring those people, like how do I so you said disk assessment to make sure I'm hiring people that aren't exactly like me. That makes sense. Um turns to like I guess other mindset shifts around like how to approach it, how to interview those people. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to get on like a Zoom call with somebody and tell them they're an idiot for sending me their resume. That's not really my my vibe. Well, this profile is good because it shows yeah. you it shows you if they're being congruent during the interview. Mm-hmm. It also shows you how much it also shows you how they react under stress. Mm-hmm. It shows you whether they take ownership, whether they're financially motivated. It shows because it'll shows you how they think and and what they're motivated by. That's why disc profile is so powerful. Like I run I run disc profiles on my my when we were hiring full-time nannies, we run disc profiles on them. Hmm. Because there were certain traits I want. When I hire when I hire um whenever I've hired an assistant or an, uh, an executive assistant for myself, she always has to have a high C, a me- medium ranged I, and she also has to have a high political a high political value because then they take ownership. Hmm. Some people take ownership. It's hmm. literally the beg for forgiveness or ask for permission, right? And that, that shows up mm-hmm. in disc profile. So learning that is very important. Um, and then one thing, when I'm hiring, I kind of, I, I, I kind of learned these three questions, these three questions back when I worked at Tony Robbins organization was can do, will do team fit. Can they do the job? Will they do the job? And are they a team fit? So when I'm interviewing people, those are the three questions I'm asking myself. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not all three, it's not going to work. Awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Cool. No, I appreciate that. Like, you know, it's just such a, it's been that, it's been like the biggest thorn in my side all, uh, all years we've gone through it. And it's funny because looking back over the last couple of years, um, even when it was like me and my business partner and we had like one salesperson and it was kind of just like that person working for us, we've never had like a killer. Right. And it's probably just because we didn't know how to frame them properly or didn't know how to find like the right person. And that's probably too, why I have so much trouble now with it because I've never had experience of having one that's like super, super strong, uh, solid. Yeah. And you, and you, you may have to turn it over the team as you evolve. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are yeah. people that yeah. are financially motivated and, you know, are, are your sales guys, what percentage of their salary is base and what percent of it is commission? Uh, so they, they each make like 2K a month flat base. Um, and then for every deal they close, they'll get paid between $1,500 and $2,000. So, you know, it's like the vast majority of its commission. So what's, what's the top guy making per month? 
Uh, it, it varies because we always have like the closing stuff like that. But his good month, he'll make fourteen to sixteen k. You don't really get amazing sales until they're twenty. Okay, twenty k. Well, they could be right. Like like the opportunities there. It's just that you know we need to figure out how to find the ones that are going to capture it. Well, it's more you know it's you may want to set a look at the target you're setting for them because mm -hmm. sixty to eighty k salespeople are either going to not be that good or really mm -hmm. young and junior, right? So you yeah. can find some junior hunters who are there, but you want the salespeople that are making 150, 200 more because that's, that's mm -hmm. a higher level. And they, and like the two grand's like, okay, yeah, you cover my car payment or my phone or whatever, but show yeah. them a path to 20K a month. Mm -hmm. at 20 to 30k a month and then you find some real salespeople. some real good ones yeah that makes sense okay. who will they'll challenge the shit out of you too mm -hmm. but they'll crush it yeah, yeah <laughs> those great salespeople are really hard to manage yeah but you just you just let them go because they make money yeah they just figure it out but no that's interesting but cool all right now some good stuff to think about there yeah so i guess i gotta go file, fire my sales team and find find better ones no i'm kidding but <laughs> No, that's, that's some good, some good reframing. How, I guess, how do you think I start that shift? Do you think it's just like an open-ended conversation with all of them um, around like maybe things that they think that they're missing or how I can provide service or is it one of those things? I'm not exactly sure what the outcome for that conversation is. Um, that's more detail that I can provide. Like, is it setting the standard? Is it redirecting them? Is it aligning them? Is it making an opportunity for growth area? Like there's a lot mm -hmm. of different things. So I'm not exactly sure which conversation you're referring to. Yeah, so I guess like why they aren't doing what they need to be doing. But again, I'm coming back to like my immediate thought was like, what do I need to do for them to be able to be successful versus what decision do I make for them to? Well, before I did be that, I would spend a little bit of time to make sure that you have set them up properly for success. Yeah, just do a little digging on the back end. And I see. would take the first the first thing I the first person to blame for not working is you. Mm -hmm. because yeah, then I would say, sure. okay, take, take ownership of that. Yeah. Take hundred percent ownership of that system, not working and mm -hmm. say, are they, are there clear expectations? Are there clear guidelines? Are there clear standards? Are there clear um, activity metrics that they need to be hitting? And mm -hmm. is that clearly communicated and have they been trained on all of that? And if, yeah. if it's yes, 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 yes. And it's not delivering, then there's that conversation. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. But cool. Awesome. But I would encourage you to, this is, I encourage you to dive deeper into this because the more we dive, the more we're starting to uncover. So mm -hmm. this conversation could probably turn into two or three, four conversations to get mm -hmm. actual clarity on where the piece that's the problem is. Right now, yeah. we're still only at like 5,000 feet. Mm -hmm. We're not even to the ground yet. We started yeah. at 30. We're at five right now. So you got to dive in deeper. Is this helpful? Yeah, it's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the, the time and the thought on it. And it's, you know, it's, it's always funny because whenever I do things like this, um, it's always funny. Cause like, you know, like most people, you know, the answer just for some reason, having someone like frame it to you a specific way is always very helpful. It just gives you like a different lens, I guess, to see it in. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jason. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And thank you for watching the Do the Impossible podcast. I'm Jason Drees. To get your own experience of coaching, go to freeintrosession.com. Until then, I will see you on next week's episode. Take care. Bye-bye.